All right, everybody, welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray, and I am your host, and I am super excited. We are going to be joined today by one of our mentors. She is also a professional international player, and most recently, a professional NWSL player. Please welcome Taylor Porter. We have Hi. applause. <laughs> we do it right now. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited to have you. So for those of you listening, Taylor joined us about a year ago now, I guess it would be, right, as a mentor, and she was playing in Spain, and most recently in the last few months, she has joined the Portland Thorns, or the Thorns FC, I should say, um, in the NWSL, and so we want to hear all about the journey from the collegiate game uh, through the international game now to um, the United States, so I'm um, just going to ask you a few um, kind of questions around that. Yeah. Um, so why don't we tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, where you grew up with club and how you ended up at your college program. Kind of take us through that. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in sunny San Diego, California, um, and I played for San Diego Surf. So a lot of people know uh, we usually host like the big surf cup tournament um, during the summer in August that everybody loves going to. It's a huge tournament. So that was um, the club that I played at. And from there, I went all the way across the country to NC State. Um, and I wanted to go there mostly because I wanted to get a degree in animal science. So that was the big reason why I wanted to go there. And then another big reason was um, obviously a great ACC school, great league. And I loved the style of play. Uh, that was a big thing that I was looking for um, in a college team because I love possession style. And um, that was something that my coach, uh, Tim Santoro, uh, enforced into our culture and our style and everything, which I loved. So that was one of the big reasons why I went to NC State too. That's so fascinating that at the high school age, you already knew that you wanted that. I think that's pretty unique to a lot of players knowing not only just kind of what they wanted to do, knowing that you wanted a school for animal science, but then also knowing that you wanted a specific style of play. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially at the, at my club and my team, my coach was someone who really wanted us to kind of develop that Barcelona style of play, which is passing technical finesse. And I absolutely loved it and thrived in it. Um, so that was one of the things that I wanted to continue on in my college career as well. So that was something that I was really looking for and wanted in um, the team that I chose. What other schools were you looking at just out of curiosity? Just coming from California, there's so many here. So I was just curious. Yeah, well, I actually, yeah, I did not want to stay in California just because I wanted to leave, have a different experience. So I wasn't really, there were some California teams interested, but it wasn't necessarily my top choice. Um, I did look at the University of Washington, um, Portland even as well. And I think it was uh, Nebraska, but they're a little bit more direct style of play. So again, I was like, NC State was kind of like the perfect of like, very top league and great compo or, um, competition and things like that. And like I said, the style of play was something that was really important that he had at that program. Awesome. So you do four years there and get a degree in animal science? Yeah, four years there, graduated in May 2019. Yeah. Well, you're a baby. I don't even think I realized what a baby yeah. you were. Yeah. I didn't realize you were newly in Spain when we met then. 
Yeah. Like only yeah. a year in, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow, okay. Uh -huh. so, so those those people listening might have heard a few weeks ago, we interviewed our other mentor, our mental director, Haley Lucas, and we asked her a few questions about her interest in playing internationally. So I'd like to ask you similar questions. When you're at NC State, do you know you want to play professionally? Do you know for sure you want international play? You know, where was your head at with all of that? So I actually had zero desire to play professionally. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I originally wanted to go to vet school. That was kind of like my big thing. And it honestly wasn't until like literally November NCAA tournament of my senior year where I was like, I can't give this up yet. Like, I kind of want to like continue it. And even like my coaches were kind of like, you can always go to vet school, but like your soccer career, like that is kind of like a different timeline. So I was just kind of like, okay, like I'm just going to put my name in the draft. I'm just going to kind of go free with it. I didn't have any expectations. I was just kind of like, okay, let's see what I can do with this. So it honestly wasn't like a lifelong dream of mine to play professionally, but I think that's also because I think growing up, it didn't really seem that attainable. And I don't think until honestly around my college years where it actually did seem like a reachable goal or thing that I could do. Um, That's super interesting because you're, you are so young I mean, graduating 2019 means that you grew up watching players in the NWSL, which for me didn't exist at all when I played. So um, that's interesting that you didn't think about it or, or aspire to it, even though it was more out there. It's not easy to find the games back then, right? Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just think, yeah, I think it's always that like, I don't know if I'm good enough. Always that self-doubt of like, I'm not a big enough player, big enough name and things like that, where it just seems like, no, I can never play. But then I think like really once I got that first look by a team where I was like oh my gosh wait like I can actually do this and make a career out of it um that I really actually started to believe in myself and my talent that people actually wanted me on their team so, That's so cool so you entered the draft in going into 2020 um or going into 2020 yeah <laughs> yeah and what happened there tell us about that so I just threw my name in. I wasn't expecting anything and nothing did come of it. I wasn't drafted or anything, which I didn't expect. And then it wasn't until um, May, like literally like a week or two after graduating that I got a call from Orlando saying that they were interested in me uh, for a replacement contract, which was for the World Cup at the time. And so that was kind of like the first, like, oh my gosh, like, wow, this team wants me and it's in Florida, which is dope. Like, that's a great opportunity. And it was, I think, two days later, I was driving down um, yeah, wow. to Orlando and so cool. opportunity. yeah. So how long were you with them? Um, I think it was, it was technically the length of the World Cup, which was like maybe a little extra, which was like five weeks, six weeks, something like that. Um, yeah, so that was a really great experience and um, a great first experience, I think, and um, got to play with a lot of great players. So that was a great way to dip my toes in into like the professional world, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. You still keep in contact with a lot of those girls from now? 
I do actually, I, there was two other girls that were under the same contract and um, they're off doing other things. So I met a girl named Hannah Kerner, who's now playing in Finland and I've kept in contact with her since. And um, another friend her, whose name is Alika and she's playing in Lithuania, like all different places. So, um, and a few others, but those were like the two that like, now I still in contact with that. I, well, I played against one of them, which is funny in college, but um, yeah, and then we ended up being teammates. So yeah, it's definitely met a lot of friends along the way, which is nice. So, so you're in Orlando and that contract is up and do you feel the need to continue? Like you, you feel like, okay, this worked, I wanna keep trying. Like, where do you go from there? Yeah, so I originally, honestly, before even the Orlando gig came up, I actually did wanna go to Europe before. I didn't really plan on staying here um in the U.S. but it did come up and it was kind of like a good um period of time to be playing to prepare for going over to Europe so right when I was starting my contract was coming to an end I was you know working with my agent to find teams um for when that contract was up I could go over to Europe and so that was end of June and beginning of July when that contract was ending and then I think it was a week later I flew to Serbia, which was my first European gig. Okay. And that's where you met Haley, correct? Yeah, that's where I met Haley. <laughs> so cool. So you were with them for a season? Half a season? I was, with, I was in Serbia, yeah, for half a season, technically. I was there for five months. The same, same with Haley. So it was basically for the big um, thing about going there was they were going to be in Champions League. Um, and which was an amazing experience to do even the qualifying process where you're able to travel and play against good teams. And then of course, in the next round, which was against Atletico Madrid. So that was also an amazing experience and we did really well, which is nice. So growing up though, before you, you know, you're like, I don't know if I'm good enough and all that. Had you been following international soccer to know the teams like you knew Champions League? Like there's a lot of girls who don't follow any of it. And if they do, they maybe follow the men's side of Champions League and all what that means. But had you followed the women's side and all that? No, honestly, not at all. I didn't follow women's professional soccer at all in Europe. So it was definitely like, even up until before I went, I had to educate myself a lot more on it, like with Champions League and the teams and everything like that, because I didn't really know much about it. Um, I just knew more about the US and things like that. So, but you always knew you just wanted to travel after you graduated to kind of get experience overseas of just life, difference of life and all of that? Yeah, I wanted to experience, because honestly, before that, I've never been out of the country besides going to like Mexico. But like, other than that, like I've never been out of the country. And again, I did love the European style of play, which is again, why I ended up in Spain is because I love that style of play. So I wanted to experience a different culture, different style of play. And it was a way to honestly, improve in myself as well to go abroad and um, do that and so yeah that it just worked out to going to Serbia first because you have to start a little bit at a, a lower level um, and then work your way up and that was my way of just getting my foot through the door um, into Europe was through that team. That's so interesting that's pretty much what Haley said too is is um, some girls don't make it as far as you guys have because they look at that lower level kind of as like a not a good thing because in America we're you know we're always aiming for the top mm -hmm. it's the same notion of so many girls kind of give up on playing soccer if they're not put in the d1 program and they look down upon the d2 d3 and aias when really 
um, like Haley said, that that level of play in America doesn't really necessarily translate over there. And in her experience, she had to have a lot of video to help her get seen. And in yours, did they use your experience at Orlando or did you also have to do a lot of video to be recognized? Or recognized? Yeah, um, luckily I did have um, Orlando on my resume, which helped, but it did take a lot of video um, from college as well. So I had a lot of highlights from there and that was used along with you know, having Orlando being my previous team um, helped me get that opportunity as well. Um, so that was primarily what I used. And how was Serbia? Like you didn't speak the language, but you had other players from the States, I guess. So was that yeah, yeah, that was the biggest thing. And one of the biggest reasons why I was able to go to was like, okay, there's going to be a couple other Americans, like I'm not going to be there by myself. Um, so the end, that was one of the main reasons why I went as well. And it was honestly like a great experience. It was obviously like a completely new culture and I learned a lot. I didn't learn as much of the language as I would have liked, but I did learn enough, especially on the field. You pick it up very quickly on what you have to be able to say on the field. Um, but yeah, the girls were great. Everyone was very nice. And there was a couple of girls that spoke English, which was good too, to help translate um, along with the coach. And yeah, we just lived in this kind of small town that was really cute and spent a lot of time in like coffee shops and restaurants and things like that. And um, had a good training sessions at night in the evening, which was um, good. So yeah, it was a great experience and I think a good European experience as well. That's awesome. So how'd you end up in Spain then? Tell everybody about that. Yeah, so in... Our second round of games for Champions League, we ended up going to Spain to play Atletico. And there, a one of the clubs, um, Tenerife, uh, watched that game and saw me and another player in that game and reached out to our agent saying, you know, we're interested in these girls for next season. So that was kind of like how it came to be um it was after this because they saw us in that game and they're like we want those girls and then our my Serbian contracted contract ended in November and then I think a couple of days after Christmas I was back in Spain so it was a quick turnaround because then I had to come back and get my work visa and everything so it was very stressful um but yeah it was probably like a 25 day turnaround between going Serbia to home getting all that stuff done and then going to Spain oh wow um, for at the very end of December, yeah. So what was the name of your team and then what city and all of that? Tell us about that experience playing there. So the team was UDG Tenerife, which is in the Canary Islands, um, which was, <laughs> that was a big plus anyways, just being on an island. But yeah, it was great. Um, and again, it was like a big jump in the level between the Serbian league and to Spain. So, but I was really excited because I was like, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be in Spain and this was it. And I'm about to be doing the Spanish style of play with these great players. And um, so, yeah, it was great. It was literally, I flew in and then the next day I was training and it was right. That's how I would want to do it too. It was just going right in and um, yeah, it was great. Um, great weather. The girls were really nice and yeah, it was really good when I first got there. So. Awesome. And so you, you're there for a year, is that right? Um, I originally was signed for a year, but that was when COVID happened. Okay. Yeah. So I got there like 
December, January. And then literally in March, that was when COVID happened and we were stuck there for like two months in lockdown. And then unfortunately with like money and stuff, my contract ended up being terminated that summer. And then I had to find a new team. Oh, okay. So you switched to a different team in Spain. Yeah. So after that, so I was only there for technically like five months. Um, And then I had to find a different team, which was really hard during COVID. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a, what a trying experience, especially because you were pretty happy. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just, it hit Spain really hard. I know, I mean, obviously just health wise, people's mental health, and then it hit um, economically really hard. And and with traveling, it made it really hard. So finding a new team wasn't easy because of like travel bans and having to get Americans. Um, So it was definitely a hard process, uh, but eventually I was able to find a team um, called Racing Santander, which was in the North of Spain. And um, then I ended up going there in September of 2020. So that's about when we met you, I would say, right? So you were newly there. And did you get a good solid season as the world started to open up last fall? Yeah. So we had a normal season. It went from September to June and everything was normal, except we just had to do COVID testing every week before games. Um, Things were a little bit closed down and restricted but wasn't like too bad um so luckily it was a little bit more normal (laughs) than um than it was obviously the before when I was in Spain so yeah so you're you're in Spain and let's fast forward to I think what is it June that you will again get a call about why don't you go ahead and tell it you'll tell it better than I will (laughs) yeah so I literally finished it like June 1st and then flew home and then um, an opportunity came up with the Thorns that they needed um, the same contract that I had at Orlando, which was a replacement contract while the national team players were gone for the Olympics. And I was like, perfect, I needed, this was the kind of perfect timing because I just got home. So it was literally like within, I think two weeks of being home um, and then I was flying to Portland. Um, and then so- I've been here ever since. So you didn't have a contract set up for the following season with racing. Is that right? No, it wasn't. No, I just had a year contract and I hadn't had anything planned yet. And was it that you wanted to continue to play internationally and this came up or were you kind of ready to look to the States or what was your thought before that call happened? Actually, originally I did not have any plans to play here in the U.S. I was trying to go back um, to Europe. But, and I was honestly just looking for like a short summer gig, which this was going to work out perfectly for that. So that was just kind of the course of why I wanted to be here. Um, So yeah, it was just supposed to be a quick, like six week kind of contract, like it was at Orlando. But you're now there longer. So tell everybody about that a little bit. Yeah, so luckily things have gone well for me here and I was able to prove myself to have it extended for a little bit longer. Um, So I'm just here um, for a little bit longer and I'm not sure how long yet, but um, yeah, so it's just kind of taking it little by little, but yeah, so I'm happy I'm able to 
just be working with some of the best players or the best players in the world, um, including like Christine Sinclair, Lindsay Horan, Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbronn. Um, all these girls are top level players and I get to train with them every day, which is amazing. So cool. Um, so I think the one thing I think of um, now as an older adult, as opposed to like somebody your age or even when I was playing collegiately, um, soccer in the world of collegiate soccer and, and some of the youth players who are listening might understand this where the next le like step for you is always kind of set up. Like here in the States, it's like you play youth soccer, you're, you're just gonna continue through whether it's ECNL or the Girls Academy, and then you're looking to play collegiately and then you have that four years where it's like, you know, you're gonna be there kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, with professional soccer, I know being married to a, a male professional soccer player for so long, it's very fly by the seat of your pants and you have to be very flexible. How do you feel about like right now you, like you even said, like I'm here, don't even know how long. Yeah. How do you yeah. prepare for like what you want to do next when it is kind of that like, things could change that quickly? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be a female professional soccer player, you have to kind of get comfortable with uncertainty. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's you most of the time don't ever know what your next step is going to be. Like I said, even from graduating to, I had no idea I was going to be in Orlando two weeks later to, I had no idea I was going to be in Serbia to, I had no idea I was going to be in Spain. And then coming here and I had not planned on playing the NWSL at all. And now here I am. So I think, it's, and you have to be able to pick up and go in a day or two sometimes. So I think it's just kind of a mindset you might have to develop because that's not normal, um, especially with growing up. Like you said, you always have things planned. So I think it's definitely kind of developing that mindset of being comfortable with the uncertainty and I think trusting the process. Um, and I think definitely it's a good lesson on focusing on the now and not too much in the future because you can't control any of that right now. So just focusing on the now and what I can control now and enjoy it because that's all you can do right now. So. Totally. That mindfulness to try to be present is huge. And I think you do such a wonderful job of that to be able to be where you are right now and enjoy kind of that uncertainty. And, and like you said, you've already pulled out a lot of the positives that you're getting to, um, to be around. And I would love to hear more about that. So you get, you get to Oregon and um, all those players are in the Olympics. The, the ones you mentioned, they're all not there. So but when you first start to train with the Thorns, who were some other players that you were kind of excited to play with um, and other players that you were like, wow, this is like, and, and what did you think of the level compared to where you were coming from? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest players was probably Megan Klingenberg because she has such a big personality on and off the field and has like this intensity about her that I was really excited to kind of learn for myself too. And so she was definitely someone and um, I think another one would be Angela Salem because she's my position. And I think she's like one of the best sixes in this league, if not the best. And so I was really excited to learn from her and I'm still learning through her. And I'm literally, she's like my role model right now. I'm like, this is who I wanna learn from and develop through her. Um, so those I think were probably the big two players I can think right now. Um, and yeah, when I came in, I was just kind of like, I'm all I can do is do the best I can kind of not put too much pressure on myself to like, make a great first impression on like the first day because it's always going to be hard no matter what team or 
learn how prepared you are. Um, it's always hard that first week because you've got to figure out, get your feet all settled and uh, learn players' names, like in just the style of play and everything. It's just so many things that is new that it just takes time. And I think I was really patient with myself to not put too much pressure on myself to be like, I have to perform at such a high level, especially because this team's the top of the league. Um, so the level was definitely a lot quicker and, um, higher than I would say in Spain. And it's also a different style of play. Um, like I said, cause in Spain, it's a lot more, maybe like small passes and technical and kind of like the Barca style of play. And then coming here is a lot more athletic. So I think just changing from style of play took me a little bit of time to adjust to as well. Um, but I think the way our trainings were set up and how accommodating the staff was for me to mesh well with the team was very smooth. And I think it allowed me to get up to speed very quickly with this team. That's awesome. Um, one thing we had, we had discussed a little bit with Haley too, which I'm super curious with your experience, um, how women soccer players are viewed in Europe compared to here whether it's your um, gear, accommodations, how the coach, you know, handles you, do you see a huge difference from playing overseas to playing here when it comes to kind of how you're treated as a professional? Um, it's funny because the leagues, or at least I can only speak for in Spain, is it's been around longer than it has here. And yet I think we've come a little bit farther and I would say professionalism. Um, it's just, and there's actually, even though it doesn't seem like there's a lot of money in this league, there's more money in this league than there is there as well. So that goes um, a lot farther. And I think like I, in Spain, I think um, this is the first year that our, that league was actually considered a professional league. Like before that, even though they were professional soccer players per se, um, it was considered an amateur league. Uh, so, which is kind of crazy because it's been around for so long, but now it's actually a professional league um, for the first time, which is kind of insane that it took that long and kind of be taken seriously in that sense. But they were very passionate. They were still very passionate, had lots of fans and just purely loved soccer. Like it was like, okay, game Saturday night or Sunday, it was like everyone came out. It was like, a social event, which was great. Um, but as for, I would say like logistically and things like that, I think here in the NWSL, it is a lot more professional. Um, I would say, um, yeah, with maybe like housing and things like that, or even just purely scheduling, I think it's just a little bit different of a mindset and kind of just, and I think money obviously has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, of all, like you said, not only are you in NWSL, you're at the top team in NWSL, and then you're also in a very, very um, intense, in a, in a good way, soccer community. I mean, Portland is known for amazing fans and amazing soccer community. So compared to Europe with that, do you notice similarities or is it still super American where we're not as, as excited and as tense, you know, as it would be in Spain? Yeah. Um well, like I said, comparing to our Portland crowd, it's kind of unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say it can be very similar to some of the top clubs. Like if you went to a Barcelona game, it would probably seem very similar. Like we're like, 
insanely dedicated fans. Um, I would say maybe for like lower leagues um, or lower teams in the league in Spain, you might not get that big of a crowd. It's kind of the same here. Um, but there definitely is, I would say it's the same dedication. I think it's a little, I think it's just a little bit different in like maybe the love that Americans have for like American football, like the NFL, that's kind of like soccer in Europe, that's their NFL, like truly passionate and things like that. So it's just, I think slightly different in that sense, but yeah, yeah. you can't beat the Portland Thorns fans though. Oh God, no. Yeah. My husband went to college there and I couldn't get over when I first visited him, like how amazing just the community mm -hmm. and like the the pubs and just everything it felt very European but yeah um so I have a question that maybe isn't something that you'd love to answer but I think I think there's a lot of people that wonder this um you know soccer in America has become a lot more of an elitist sport meaning you have to have money to play the sport in America like mm -hmm. if you want to play youth soccer you're spending at least two thousand dollars a season a lot of times for great clubs Mm -hmm. And um, and so on the female side, I think there's this idea that women soccer players don't get paid enough, obviously, and that they don't get paid a lot. And I'm curious, obviously, without going into too much detail of your own personal finances or anything, but like, do you see the difference in Europe and NWSL in how you're paid? Because right now in America, we have a lot of NWSL players and their players union talking a lot about um, how we should, they shouldn't have to have second jobs, which I 100% agree with. There are many NWSL players who either babysit, coach, do personal training, tons of things on the side to make ends meet. Is it like that overseas? Do you find that that's how it is here? A little bit about both. I'd be curious. Yeah, I would say um, at least from what I've observed or experienced, I don't think it's that much different in the sense that a lot of the girls did have maybe second jobs in the past um in my past teams with along with playing soccer where they would be working at like a gym or things like that or like coffee shops during the day and if they trained at night or vice versa if they were training in the morning they'd work at their second job um in the afternoon or evening so i would say it is definitely a I guess a problem I would say it's pretty universal mm -hmm. and so which needs to change all around because like I said in Spain they just were considered a professional league and so that's just like I mean I guess it's a step forward but it's like now we need to work on how we can get um, these players earning enough to where they don't have to do that and they can actually treat this job and build it as a career like it should be because it is just like the men's side um and they're not having second jobs or anything like that so yeah. it's definitely like a universal problem I think and I'm hoping that at least every year we take a step forward to make that not a problem anymore yeah absolutely um so I have to ask some like nerding out questions about some of the girls you play with so you're you're playing there without any of these these Olympic players, they're all gone. You get there. My first question is because you were on our panel where we did two podcasts about Olivia Moultrie, mm -hmm. play with her now, which is yeah. so crazy that we were like discussing, you know, all about her life. Now I would love to know, just as a, as a teammate now, like how do you feel? Do you feel differently after we had discussed concerns about her her being so young? Do you feel similarly? And and if you can even talk about it now, because because she's yeah. 
No, yeah, she's a great teammate. And I've actually, I've talked to her a lot. I consider her a friend now. Um, and I'm just honestly so impressed by this team environment and organization that they're truly taking care of her and making sure that she has everything she needs to be successful on this team. And she is being successful on this team. Yeah. Um, like she had her first NWSL starts and playing a lot of minutes during this time. And she got um, her first goal and insists and things like that, which is great. Like she's made so much progress and I'm sure she should have been waiting for this time. And um, it's nice to see her kind of blossom into that. And definitely she has so much support, which I know was one of the things that we talked about was like, we hope that she just has the support, um, especially for the mental health side and everything, because it is a tough environment. It can be a tough environment for someone who's very young, but she's definitely like very mature um, for her age. And I think she's definitely thriving in this environment. And I know she's surprised, she surprised me with, um, just her professionalism and able like if you talk to her like you're not going to think like oh my god you're 15 years old um so she's definitely like um I mean I wish I knew her at the beginning of the season to see how she actually has truly changed but um and grown but I think um she's an important player on this team and she's a great teammate and um I'm excited to see where she goes um in the next couple of years because she still has so much potential and yeah. I can't wait to see where she is that's so cool I absolutely love that like we legit like I feel like it was the week we recorded that podcast is like the week you got called and then left and then you end up like befriending her and I'm like this is so cool yeah um, so other nerded out questions so then all these Olympic players come back mm-hmm. one does that change the vibe on the team or the culture two are you, a, are you a fan of any of them? I know like I'm much older than all of these girls, but I would say like, I think it'd be really cool to get the opportunity to play with some of these girls that you've watched now for a few years. So how, how does that feel? No, it's, it was like, I mean, you don't really like think about ever meeting these people in person. Like you always see them on TV and you're like, oh my God, they're so amazing. But when you actually like meet them in person, you're just like, wow, you guys are really normal people. (laughs) Like, it's just kind of funny. Like everyone's super great and very nice. And, um, and they obviously like bring the level up a lot when they came, like you can see like, wow, things are a lot faster and things like that. And it just seems great on the field. And, um, so yeah, it's, I loved having them back and just being able to hang out with them as like normal people. And so I think one of the biggest ones I was definitely starstruck by was like, well, Christine Sinclair, obviously. And I'm just like, wow, you just won like a gold medal. And like, yeah. usually in the locker room with me right now. And <laughs> I just think it's like so funny. And she, again, is just so herself, normal, like, and so I think that's just great seeing them in such like a normal environment. Just remember like they're human, like the rest of us. And, um, but they're just like very elite players and it's just great being able to watch them and train with them every day. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when they come back, that's got to change the, the kind of culture on the team too. And I would love to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, I, I know this just again from my husband, like you're thrown into a professional landscape where everyone there's a, like a 15 in, in your case, 
over 15 year age difference between players at times. Mm -hmm. We've got players who've played at all different levels, including the Olympics, including internationally, including whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's a quite a melting pot to have to figure out a culture in the locker room. You know, that locker room culture, I think, and I think you agree with this, just being so invested in the mental side of the game, mm -hmm. uh, plays a, a huge role in your, your on-field you know, performance. And so um, is that something like mentally, do you get to kind of tap into the team side of the mentality that you create for the culture? And then do you have, have you got to observe different mental skills practiced from some of your teammates at all here in the States? I know that's kind of a broad question, but. Yeah, no, I think one of the things that made me love it here was the team culture. It is very strong and they worked really hard to get to where they're at with the team culture. And that's one thing, like you said, like we have people who are 15, we have people who are 38, we have people who are 23, you know, literally all across the spectrum of age, but it's like, then, you know, we're on an away trip at a dinner table and I'm sitting with every single different age group and we're able to talk, have a good time. Like, I just think everyone on this team is genuinely a good person. And I, I mean, I know personally, I can talk to anybody and I think everybody else feels that way. And I think everyone is super, something that is strong in, I think this team is that everyone truly wants the best for everybody on this team. And cause that's, how what makes this team successful I mean one person's individual success is also the success of the team mm -hmm. so I think that's a strong mindset that this team had worked really hard to develop and I think has made it easy for me to come in very late like halfway through the season and to come into that environment was really comforting because like I said you're coming into a top team with amazing players like it's very easy to be like oh my god I think I'm going to be the worst player on the team but they truly just want to support you have you be your own person your own player and know that like you have a purpose on this team no matter what position you're at on this team um, and so I think cool. that's what I admire about this, these group of girls is that they're genuinely like all great people yeah so now that you've been here and you're on an amazing team that you're having such a great experience, like what do you have? Like if you could choose your next steps, which I know in the professional world, we don't always get to do that. But if you could, you know, what would you hope to stay? Would you want to stay in the NWSL? Do you miss playing internationally? Where do you want to go from here? Again, I, with that idea of like, I can't put any expectation on it. I'm just focusing on the now and I do love it here. And if it worked out to where I am coming back, that would be amazing. But I'm also coming in with the expectation of like, I can end up at another team or like you said in Europe. So I don't really have an expectation. And I think that also saves you from ever being, making too much plans far ahead and kind of getting um, hurt by any expectations as well. So I'm honestly just trying to focus on the present and not too much on the future because especially with soccer like so many other steps have to happen before even like thinking about another team or going to another team that there's no way to plan for it right now so personally for me what works mentally is just really like focusing on today and then tomorrow and this training and then just kind of going from there and I'm a firm believer of everything happens for a reason what 
is supposed to happen will happen. So if that's continuing here or somewhere else, that's what it'll be. And it's worked out well for me so far. So. Well, I was going to say, I love that you just said that because I think all of the people listening, they know that female footballers is a mental skills sort of self-awareness practice of a uh, what we value. And I think you just summed up like why you're so successful is you were able to mentally put yourself in the present, which has only helped you in your career. And I hope that girls who play are listening to that right now, because I think a lot of players create so much anxiety because they are not in the present and they're thinking what's next, what's next, and, and putting that pressure on themselves. And then it ends up kind of creating more problems for you. So the fact that you're able to do that is such a great example. And it's why everyone, she's an amazing mentor and you should sign up because <laughs> she could be your mentor. She's just finishing up with two mentees right now. And, yeah. um, and we're so grateful that you're a part of our organization. And um, it's been so cool to watch you all summer. So can you tell everybody how they can find you? What's your next game? Like all that. Yeah, so you can find me um well we have our next game this weekend against north carolina at north carolina so you can watch that on paramount plus um and if you ever want to reach out to me you can reach out to me on instagram um you can just look up taylor porter happy to answer any questions or if you ever want a mentee or a mentor and um yeah and just i guess like the biggest takeaway if you want to from this podcast i would say is maybe like really be present and know that your soccer career from now until later and even in life it's always a process and you can't always look for like the quick instant validation and at the end of the day the biggest growth you'll have will be focusing on the process and don't always focus on the end result it'll come and you just got to be patient and just focus on being on the present so yeah <laughs> yeah, and I think like so many players often, um, they assume that you need to be a Becky Sauerbrunn, a Crystal Bunn, to get to play at the top level like you're doing. And I think that you're a great example of, like, I didn't even really think about playing pro. And then you're clearly, incredibly just as talented as all of them, but that it's not something you have to be 10 years old and on the best club team and having those experiences to get to where you're at. And that's, that was my point is your, your journey has been maybe a little bit different than the girls that everyone always hears about. Yeah, and I yeah. hope that people are listening or, or seeing that you can be just, uh, you know, at the best team, the NWSL and have a little bit of a different path internationally or wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. Still make it there if you follow, you know, being present, being mindful and all of that. I just think you're such a great example of all of this. And you're a badass player and I hope everybody gets to watch more because I've gotten to watch you and I'm so impressed by you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you all for listening. We really appreciate um, you joining us today. We wish Taylor nothing but the best and you can catch her at the Thorns, follow her on Instagram. We'll tag it in the, the post for this podcast. But thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.